Well, I want to say greetings to each one of you from the Solid Rock Community Church of the Nazarene. We are wanting to extend our greetings to you and blessings to you. And we're so, I'm so thankful to be here this morning because I consider it a privilege to be able to share God's word with you. And so this morning, the title of the message is God Has You Covered. God Has You Covered. And uh, we're going to be looking at Genesis 3 verses 1 to 12. I hope you're ready to hear the word of God, because I know I'm excited to share what the Lord has laid upon my life. And so, thank you very much for all that you're doing, and uh, continuing to, just give me a second here. Is that good? Okay, thank you. All right, how many of you like to watch uh, YouTube videos and follow different people and you're on Instagram, and you're following different people that you consider like influencers, that's what they, they call them. Um, from time to time, I like to watch fashion bloggers and people who have large followings to understand, you know, what is the art of style and how to dress and what's in style. And so when I follow these different bloggers and fashion experts, what I really notice is that many of them are simple dressers. They really actually dress very simple. And, but they buy expensive items, and when they put their outfit together, it's a very profound thing. So for example, they'll just put on like a black blazer, maybe a, a white t-shirt, a pair of jeans, and then they like wear high-end shoes, high-end belt, high-end watch, so forth. Not too difficult, but when the outfit comes together, it's, uh, they make a statement. It looks profound, it looks very clean, it looks very sharp. And they talk a lot about building basics in your wardrobe. So basic blouser, ba basic shirt. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Do, does, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> I wanna make sure I know there's others of you that understand what I'm saying here. So they talk a lot about basics, pillars, foundation of dressing. And today, I want us to go to Genesis 3, which for some people is a very basic story, but when you look at the truths contained in this chapter, in this passage, it's foundational to what we believe and what we understand as the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you and I understand it, and when we live it, and when we share it, it will have a profound impact on those around us. We will influence others for God's glory, for God's glory. And so turn to Genesis 3. This is what the Word of God says. And again, the title of the sermon is, God has you covered. God has you covered. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, to the, pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. 
So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And then he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And I ate it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, right now, we just thank you for your word. And we pray, God, in this moment that you will bless us as we listen to the word. Lord, we've come here to be filled. The Bible says, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will, will be filled. And so, Lord, my prayer today, when we leave this place, leave this sanctuary, leave the house of God, we will be filled spiritually. We pray, God, that you will allow your anointing to bless us. Thank you that your presence is already here. Thank you for our time of worship. Thank you for our time of celebration and, and, and celebrating different anniversaries and birthdays. Thank you for the song that Hannah sang. And Lord, now we thank you for your word. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is the book of Genesis, and the book of Genesis means beginning, beginning. And in chapter 1 and 2 of Genesis, you will read the creation story. The Bible talks about how God made the heavens. He made the earth. He made the sky. He made the water. And at the top of his creation, he made Adam and Eve. You and I, his creation, human beings. And so everything in chapter 1 and 2, everything is well. Everything is good. Everything is in harmony. They are in relationship with God. They're in perfect harmony with the Lord. But then things begin to change in chapter 3. This is the passage we just read. Here's what the Bible says. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the women, did God, the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, who is the serpent in this story? The serpent is Satan. And who is Satan? Well, Satan was an angel created by God, and he's what we call a fallen angel because he decided to rebel against God. And so he is a spiritual being, and he was thrown out of heaven, and not only did he rebel, but it's been understood that a third of the angels that God created also rebelled against the Lord. So you have in the world, you have Satan, and you have his helpers, demonic agents. And sometimes the Bible calls these demons unclean spirits. So unclean spirit and demons are the same in one. And so Satan in this story, he's described as crafty. Other translations will say cunning, he's shrewd, and he's a real being. Today we have three problems when we think about Satan. Some people do not believe that Satan is real and that he exists. They're like, there's no such thing as an evil force, and you know, there's no such thing as an evil spiritual evil being. So you got one problem there. Some people believe Satan does exist, and they believe every bad thing that happens in their life is because of Satan. And then you've got another. You've got people who believe in God, believers in Jesus Christ, who dismiss Satan's power and the demonic powers and their influence in our life. So you have three, three problems here. No existence, too much power, too little power. 
You know, what is the correct view? The correct view is that he does exist, and yes, he can influence you and I, Satan, and the demons can influence you and I to stray in the wrong direction. But I want you to remember this today. He is not greater than God. Amen? He is not greater than God. He is not God's equal. He's not God's equal. God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and present. Satan is not. How do I know this? Look at the book of Job. You'll read in uh, chapter 1. It says Satan was roaming around, and he had to ask God permission to attack Job. And I want you to think about it this way. You know how we say hot, cold, up, down, and uh, good and evil? God and Satan are not two opposing equal powers. Yes, opposing, but not equal in power. And I love that song that uh, it's a hill song that says, uh, what a beautiful name. It says, in one of the lines says, you have no equal. Amen? You have no equal. And so here's what you need to remember today as you think about God's word. Number one is you have a real enemy named Satan, and he tempts you to doubt God's word or what I call the Bible. God's word or the Bible. That's number one today. You have a real enemy named Satan. He tempts you to doubt God's word or the Bible. The Bible. So Satan is real. He's your enemy. And he wants you to doubt God and his goodness. He wants you to doubt the word of God. And he does not care about your life. And I don't like to use this word hate. Just the other day, my niece began to use uh, the word hate. And I said, don't use that word hate. It's a very intense word. It's not a good word to use. But in this case, if I use the word don't care and dislike, it does not capture the intensity at which Satan does not care about us. And so I'm going to use this word hate. He does not care about you and I. He hates us. And the reason for that is because he disobeyed God, he rebelled against the Lord, and he has no second chance now to uh, reconcile with God because he saw and he made his choice. He saw God and he made his choice. And so now his goal is to make you, to make my life miserable, to make the world, every human being that exists, to stray from God. 1 Peter 5, 8 says the following, Be self-control and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Amen? So that's what he, that's what he does. He goes around looking for someone, and he's trying to bring them down. He did that with Job. He's doing that in the story here with Eve, and he does it with us, and he does it with us. And he has his helpers, his agents that are helping him, demons, help him every day to have us stray from the Lord. Now listen to the way he talks to Eve. He says to her, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now this is really clever. He doesn't ask Eve to repeat God's commandment. By the way, what was God's commandment? Go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. Here's what it says. God said to Adam, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. You will certainly die. Now that's what God said. But Satan poses a question to her to make her doubt God's word. 
And not only did he do that with Eve, but he also tempted Jesus and was trying to make Jesus doubt God's word too. So if he's doing it to Eve and he did it to Satan, he's surely doing it to us. He's surely doing it to us as well. Now, what kind of questions could Satan be asking you to make you doubt God's goodness and to make you doubt the word of God, to make you doubt the Bible? I'm going to give you some examples here. Did God really say that marriage is only between a man and a woman? Did God really say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Did God really say you need to be honest? Do you have to tell the truth? Did God really say that it's important to be pure before God? Did God really say, learn his word, study the Bible? Did God really say it's uh, an issue to be jealous or envious of someone or something that they have? Every day of our lives, as we walk with God and we walk with the Lord, Satan is trying to make us doubt God's goodness and to doubt the Bible. And he begins to have that, do that with us by asking us to question the word of God. And the reason he does that is because he knows that if we doubt God's goodness and if we doubt God's word, we have a greater chance to sin against the Lord, to sin against the Lord. And so he's tempting Eve, and let's see how she responds. The Bible says in verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die, or you will die. Now, I want us to analyze her response to Satan. First of all, she adds something that God did not say. She says, the tree was not to be touched. Actually, God said, you may not eat from the tree. Take a note of that. Also, she changes something that God said. Eve said, you will die. God said, you will surely die. You will surely die. So her understanding of God's word was close, but it was a little skewed. It was not completely accurate. And so here's what Satan says to her. He says to her in verse 4, you will, certain, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from, the, from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Wow. I want you to notice the progression of change that's going on here. God said, do not eat from the tree. If you eat from the tree, you will surely die. Eve says, don't touch the tree, you will die. Satan says, you will certainly not die. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. I have a question for you this morning. Who's telling the truth? Who's telling the truth? Eve? Satan? God? Who's telling the truth? Well, we know the answer is God, because he's holy, and he's uh, true and honest in all that he does. He's uh, upright. We must understand that Eve's understanding and Satan's rendition is wrong and a lie. And that's number two today. Satan deceives and lies us to make us sin. 
Satan deceives and, make, and lies to us. That's why the Bible says he's the father of lies, because he's a liar. He's a liar. And that's how sin works. Satan makes us believe in a lie, or we downplay what the Bible says. And sometimes, like Eve, we make up our own interpretation, like we're in our Bible study and we're reading and we're reading God's Word, and we're like, eh, you know, well, maybe it didn't really mean that, you know? Sometimes we do that. Satan said to, to Eve, certainly you won't die, you will be like God. And he said this because here's why he was doing this with her and having this conversation with her, because he was trying to make her say, believe, you have nothing to worry about. So go ahead and do it and eat from the tree. That's what he was trying to make her believe. And you know what? That is very dangerous. It's very dangerous. Making sin less troubling than it is. And you've got this tension going on in the story. You know, God said this, Satan says this, and I'm stuck in the middle. Like, what, what, which one is right? And every day this happens to us as well. Every day you're going to be bombarded with information from social media, from your family, from your friends, from the outside world, and then you're reading the Word of God, and there's a tension going on. And so there's a tension going on with Eve, there's a tension going on with us. You know, for example, God said in His Word, don't lie. But, you know, Satan will say to you, no, you should lie because then you'll get the job promotion. Um, or, you know, God's saying to, to us, you know, live a good life and live a holy life. And, 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 and then you meet somebody and you fall in love, but then you have to compromise your Christian values. And the Word of God says we shouldn't be doing that. And then Satan's like, well, go ahead and do that because then you'll have a boyfriend, then you'll have a girlfriend, and then you'll get married. You know, there's so many examples. God says you should not be jealous of others, but he'll whisper in your ears. But if you want to uh, make someone jealous, post that thing, brag about this thing, share this thing, and you will appear smarter, more popular, and better. Eve was stuck in the middle. God said this. Satan said this. I think this. My friends think this. The world thinks this. And in our moment of weakness, in our moment of weakness, we will lean towards the wrong thing. We will learn, lean toward the wrong thing. And that's exactly what happens here in the story. Verse 6 says the following, When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it and ate it. And number three today is we sin by dismissing God's word and instead believe Satan's lie. Instead believe Satan's lie. The Bible says she saw the fruit. It was good for food. It was desirable for gaining wisdom. She took it and ate it. And this is how sin works. We dismiss what God said. We forget about the Bible. We forget about God. We act on our emotions. We act on our opinions. We act on our feelings. Notice in the Bible that she sins by her eyes, what she saw. Many times we will sin the same way. I saw so-and-so drive in with a new car, and now I'm envious of him or her. I saw that if you do this in your life, you'll make X amount of money. Now you have the spirit of greed going on in your life. Or, you know, I saw that in order to become famous, I must compromise my Christian values, so I'm going to do that too. We sin by our eyes. 
And so it's important that we guard our eyes. That's why Jesus said, you know, if a person looks at another person lustfully, they have sinned. And so in this situation and in this story, rather than Eve trusting God, she trusted Satan more. She trusted Satan's word, his temptation more. And that's how every sin works in our life. We forget about God. We forget about the Bible. We forget about trusting God. We believe in a lie. Why do I say we believe in a lie? Because here's the thing today. Sin always over-promises and under-delivers. I'm going to say that again. Sin always over-promises and under-delivers. And then God's way appears to under-promise, but actually, he over-delivers. He actually makes our expectations go way off the roof when we follow his way. And this is how Satan deceives us. It doesn't matter what sin I'm talking about. It doesn't matter if it's a purity issue, jealousy, or greed, whatever sin listed in the Bible, lust, whatever you name it, the formula is always the same. The formula is always the, on the surface. It looks like a great idea, and you think you're getting what you want. You think you're being fulfilled. You think you're being satisfied. You're like, I don't have to wait on God to make this work in my life. I'm going to make it work myself. But in the end, it's wrong. And it's evil. It's evil. And the way we go about getting it is wrong. Is wrong. So Satan makes you believe that if you entertain and act on the sin, you will win. You will win. But sin always overpromises and underdelivers. And it's it's a trick, really. It's a deception. Um, some of you, if you don't understand what I'm talking about. I'll give you an analogy. You know, Satan makes you think you're getting a Lamborghini, but really you're getting an economical car. All right, that's one way to think about it. Satan makes you think you're going to get a Gucci watch, but really you're getting a no-name brand watch that's probably going to die tomorrow, the battery. And in some cases, he makes you think you're going to get Mr. Handsome or Mrs. Beautiful, and then you experience what you experience some of you know what I'm talking about. You're married. <laughs> you know, sin always over-promises, under-delivers, and that is why we struggle with sin at times, because it's always the same. Satan lies, we sin. Satan lies, we sin. Satan lies, we sin, or we manipulate God's word, or we change what the word of God is saying to suit our context and situation. And in some cases... We may not even know the Word of God because the truth of the matter sometimes is that we're not spending time in the Word. So we don't even know what God is saying. And so that's how we end up in trouble. And that's how we end up in sin. But you know what? You're not getting what you want. You think you are, but that's the deception. And before you know it, you're living a life of sin. You're living in bondage. You feel trapped. You're addicted and you can't get out. And you thought freedom was getting everything you wanted, with who you wanted, whatever you wanted, only to find out you have been lied to. You've been lied to. Listen to how the story continues here. She, verse 6, also gave some of her husband who was with her and ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. 
So they sewed fig leaves together, made coverings for themselves. Before they sinned, they were naked and unashamed. Now that they have sinned, they are naked and ashamed. What is the difference? The difference is they are convicted. They feel guilt. They feel embarrassed. Now they feel shame. They feel shame. And number four, sin leads to shame and hiding. Sin leads to shame and hiding. That's the goal of sin, to make you feel condemned, to make you feel discouraged, to make you feel bad about yourself. That's Satan's plan. John 10, 10 says the following, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Because I said this to you before, and I mean it when I say this, he does not care about you. Satan does not care about your life. He doesn't care about your friends. And if you think you're on this high with, with all this money and this house and this car and whatever, he make, he's making you think you have all this stuff, but really if you're going about it the wrong way, it's evil and wrong, but he's making you feel like you're in this bubble of, of perfection when really it's all a deception and it's an illusion because he wants to bring you and me down. That's his goal. Think about the sin that you might have done in the past year or so forth or, or just even recently. How is it working out for you? How is it working out for you? You know, maybe you lied to get what you wanted, but now you broke some relationships because now some people don't want to trust you. And maybe at work they're talking about you because you lied maybe to get a promotion. Maybe you compromised your Christian values to have a boyfriend or girlfriend, but he or she leaves, or someone ends uh, your, your marriage. Maybe you stole to get something and now you got caught and you have to do time in jail. This is how sin works. It doesn't help us. It doesn't add to our life. We might think it adds to our life, but it doesn't. And it always overpromises and underdelivers, so we have to hide. They sowed these fig, fig, fig leaves to cover themselves. We will do the same thing too, to cover our sin. We, we might have to lie to cover up one lie. We disconnect ourselves from other people if someone finds out. If someone finds out what I did, you feel this, this humiliation and shame come over you. Ex, you know, exposing your sin or find, someone finding out what you did, that's humiliating for any one of us. And that can lead someone to isolate themselves. We commit another sin so that others won't find out. And then we hide from God. What a mess, Right? What a mess. And so the Bible says in verse uh, 8, I'm just going to paraphrase here, it says that um, the man heard God, the sound of God walking in the garden, and God says to them, where are you? Where are you guys? That's my translation. Where are you guys? God asked them, um, they said, well, we're, we are afraid and we're hiding. And he, so then the Lord said to them, well, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I tell, told you not to eat from? And the man said, Adam said, well, the woman you put in the garden gave it to me, and, ate, and I ate it. You know what, Adam? I'm sorry, but that's the wrong response. <laughs> when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to you about that. Uh, yeah, blame, blame your wife. That's a great, that's a great strategy. Uh, to all the husbands here, it doesn't work, <laughs> okay? 
So it's sad that Adam uh, blames Eve for the sin, and, and even more so, we will do the same thing. We will blame other people. My life is the way it is because, you know, my grandpa was this way, and my mother was this way, and my husband's this way, and my wife's this way, and we will, like, say, oh, she made me do it, and he made me do it. And here's the thing today. We have to take responsibility for our actions. We have to take responsibility. I want you to notice that they heard God in the garden, and they were trying to hide from him. Why was this happening? Because the fellowship between God and Adam and Eve was broken. And the thing is, we will do the same thing. We will pretend like God didn't see what we did. And this morning, or this afternoon, God knows everything. You know what the Bible says in Psalm uh, 139? He knows when I rise and when I sit. He knows the number of hair on my head. He knows what I'm going to say before I even say it. He knows. He knows. So let's get this straight today. God knows everything. He sees everything. And so there's no point in hiding from the Lord. But the fellowship between Adam and Eve was broken, and the same with us. And so how does the story end? How will this unfold? How does this story in the Bible finish in Genesis 3? You know, I talked a lot about Satan. I've talked about his lies. I've talked about how we fall for his lies. I talked about shame and hiding and fear because of sin. But I want to, and that's, these are all heavy things, but I want us to uh, leave on a good note and to get excited because the Lord is good. I want you to know how the rest of the story ends. It says now in verse 14, it says now God turns to Satan and tells him, in verse 14 he says, you will be cursed you will crawl on your belly and eat dust all your days. And this is what verse 15 says. And I would put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, this verse may not make sense to you, but I want to explain it. And some of you are thinking, oh, Pastor Tina, you know, how is this exciting for us? Let me explain to you because this is the point in which we need to get excited. Amen? And so here's what, the, here's what you need to know about God's word, because right in Genesis 3, we already see God's plan that's been spoken and going to be actioned out because he begins to talk to Satan and he says, you will strike his heel. Who is you? You is Satan will strike whose heel? Satan will strike uh, Jesus's heel. So God's talking about Jesus's son right in Genesis 3. And so God is saying, when Jesus comes, Satan, you are going to attack him. That's exactly what happens if you read in the Gospels. That's exactly what happens. Satan does attack Jesus. But God says to him, but he will crush your head. Well, who is he? Jesus Christ will crush Satan's head. Praise the Lord. And here's what the commentary says, because we need to be excited about this. A strike on the heel is not deadly, but a crushing blow to the head is. Praise the Lord. So what is, what is God saying here? Well, Satan, you think you won. You tempted Adam and Eve. You think this is how the story is going to end. But let me tell you something today. That's not how the story ends because we read in the word of God that everything God said would happen happens and Jesus comes and he saves us. Amen? And this is number five. God's plan to save us is Jesus Christ. 
is Jesus Christ. I'm so happy this morning because this is the part in the sermon where you clap your hands. This is the part of the sermon where you praise God because we serve a God who didn't leave us alone. We serve a God who didn't just leave us in our sin. He planned to love us, so he made us. He planned to get us out of our sin, even though we sin, and he plans to be with us for all of eternity when we get to heaven. Amen. Praise the Lord. And his plan for us to rescue us is Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? The Son of God. He died on the cross. He rose on the third day. He gives us new life. And all we have to do is confess our sin to the Lord, and we will be forgiven. Amen? We will be forgiven. And so this is our story. This is the gospel message. John 3, 16 says the following, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I don't know about you, but it makes me excited to know that right in Genesis 3, God's plan is revealed. And that's a reminder to us that God knows everything. He knows how the story begins. He knows how the story will end. He knows everything in our life. Amen? And what about Adam and Eve? Are they off the hook? No. The Bible says that they had to deal with the consequence of their sin. And this is the thing with sin in our lives. It produces pain. It produces problems. It produces heartaches. But this is what a loving father does. He disciplines his children. And so this is why when we sin, we are disciplined too. And so as you read here, as you read the rest of the story, I want you to even get more excited because the story doesn't end there. You see, some people believe in God. They believe that he died on the cross. They believe he rose on the third day. They know they're going to heaven, but that's it. There's no change in their life. In fact, their lives are not seeing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Their lives are very similar to the world because maybe we're not reading our word and we're distracted. And God wants more for you and I. He wants more for you and I. Look at verse 21, the Bible says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them and clothed them. Now some of you will read this and not think too much of this verse, but when garments were given to people, it does have importance. Kings and priests wore clothes for installation ceremonies. In the Old Testament, Joseph was given a coat by his father, and he was promoted by Pharaoh. When he was promoted by Pharaoh, he was given another coat. What am I trying to say here? Am I trying to say Adam and Eve were promoted? No, I'm not saying that because they sinned. But what we see here is an act of grace by God, by God, because he's going to be sending them into a new environment, and the garment was given to them as an act of of provision as an act of provision so that they were no longer naked but clothed amen and i love this because despite the ugliness of sin despite our evil ways despite falling for satan's lies number six today walk in god's grace and move forward with your life walk in god's grace and move forward with your life you see, some people get stuck in life. They remain in their guilt. They remain in shame. They remain in fear. And they think, God can't love me. Look what I did. But we learn from this story is God loves us. He loves us. 
He loved you before you sinned. He loved you even though you sin. And when you die on this earth, he will love you for all of eternity. This is the kind of love we have in God. His grace covers us, amen? His grace covers us. It's not by our works. It's not because you gave $5,000 to the church last year that God loves you, but that's a good thing to do. You can give $5,000 to the church. I'm sure the church will be happy to have your money here. Um, it's not because, you know, you help somebody open the door and so forth, and those are all good things. It's because of the work of Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection. God's grace is the reason we are saved, and we are covered. We are covered. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what sin you committed. If you committed a sin 10 years ago, 5 years ago, this past year, this past month, this morning, as long as you go to God and confess your sin, he will forgive you. He will forgive you. 1 John 1.9 says that. He will forgive you. And remember this today. Every time you feel Satan is accusing and reminding you of your sin that you did in the past, or did this past week, and he says to you, do you remember what you did? Do you remember what you did when you did this? You need to respond and say to him, do you know what Jesus did for me? Do you know what Jesus did for me? And if you don't know, let me tell you. And by the way, Satan, do you know how your story is going to end? Read Revelation. You will see what's going to happen to you. And he already knows that, but you need to respond sometimes. <laughs> and so if you read the rest of Genesis and you read Genesis 4, you will see Adam and Eve, they had children. They moved on with their life. And you and I need to do the same thing. Yes, we've sinned, but we have God's grace. And we have the Holy Spirit living us. So move forward with God's plan for your life. Move forward. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe somebody here today doesn't know Jesus. We're going to give you an opportunity to accept the Lord. Invest in your relationship with God. You know, read your Bible. Be part of the Bible study groups that are here or any good church that's uh, out there. and Serve and give and pray. And we're not doing these things to check off a list because, before God. We're doing it because we're saved by God's grace. Amen? Amen. We do it because we want to. I want to be in the house of God. I want to be with the Lord. I want to be with him in all of eternity because he's a good God. Amen? And, and Paul, uh, David says, taste and see that God is good. So let the Holy Spirit take full control. In the Church of the Nazarene, we have a word for this. Entire sanctification. Give your lives. Yield to the full control of the Holy Spirit in your life. So how can you move on with your life? Okay, well, simple. Meet somebody. Get married. Find a home. Apply for a job. Practice your hobbies. Make some friends. Make some friends, okay? Somebody, please, make some friends. Go get your education. Spend time with your family and friends. Write a book. Write a song. Open a business. If you're married, have some children. And if somebody's wronged you, forgive them. If God forgave us, we need to forgive those who have hurt us too. It's important that we forgive people, show mercy. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Why are you settling for 10% of life when you're supposed to have 100 plus? 
That's why Jesus died for you and me to have a good life. It's time to have a full life and walk in God's grace. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted by the things of the earth. That's all part of Satan's deception, lies, and illusion. Don't look at your brother and sister and your friend and be like, I want their life. I want their house. I want their car. Satan is distracting you if you are saying that to yourself. Do what the songwriter says. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen? Because can I tell you something? There is no other good life. This is the life. The life is coming to church. The life is giving to God. The life is praying for somebody. The life is fasting and interesting. That is the good life. Everything else is a lie to distract us. And I know there's somebody here this morning, and they're going to say, you know, Pastor Tina, I'm not heavy about sin. I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I serve the Lord wholeheartedly, but I'm really struggling with a deep hurt in my life, a deep pain. Maybe you lost somebody. You lost your job this past year. Your health is not going the right way. I want to encourage you this morning. Hard things will happen in our life that don't make any sense. But still trust the Lord. Still trust God. That's what happened to Job. Good man who went through hardships. But still trust the Lord. Because your story is not over. God still has more for you. Amen? And so today we have learned the following. Satan is your enemy and wants you to doubt God's word. He deceives and lies to us. We sin by dismissing God's word and instead believing in his lies. Number four, sin leads to shame and hiding. Number five, God's plan is to save us through Jesus Christ. And number six, God wants you and I to walk in his grace and move forward with your life. Now that you know the basics, this is the basis, Genesis 3. Now that you know the foundation of God's word and his love, go tell somebody. Be a light. Be a salt. This world is very dark. We don't know when Jesus is going to return. But we want to be ready before he returns, right? And we want to live a good and holy life. Amen? And so I want to pray with you because this morning I want you to remember, this afternoon, God has you covered. He has you covered. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. But more importantly, God, we thank you for your grace. I am who I am today because of your grace. You created me to love me. You knew that I was going to sin, but you had a plan. And that plan was Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to re-fall in love with you. I want to be with you. I don't want to follow lies anymore. I don't want to be distracted. I want to focus my eyes on Jesus. And forgive me this morning if I have 
doubted you. Forgive us this morning, God, if we've doubted the Bible. We let Satan twist the word of God and then we kind of made things our own. Forgive us, Lord. Wholeheartedly, Lord, we want to obey and trust you. Lord, there might be somebody here who's hearing the gospel message for the first time. We pray that if they want to receive Jesus as their Lord, they would say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that you are God. I believe I have sinned against the Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for loving me. And I believe in your death. And I believe in your resurrection. And I want to be a child of God. And Lord, we pray for all of us who have given our hearts to Jesus. We want to have a full life in the Lord. We want to walk in your grace and in your power. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. And Lord, for those who are grieving, those whose hearts are mourning, we think about different families that were mentioned this morning and even in one in our church family, the Russell family, Lord. I pray, God, for your healing and comfort and help. I'm so thankful, God, that you are always with us through the storm. You never leave us nor forsake us. You love us now. You love us when we die. You will love us for all of eternity. We serve an amazing God. And we thank you for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.